once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Brentos. This is episode 162. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend about our little podcast here. Been off for a few extra days, been very busy, jotting all around North America for the League's Cup, and that's one of the topics that I will be discussing on this podcast today. It is, I don't know if I'm going to do this every year, but it is the Soccer OG Summer State of the Game. And all these presidential debates are coming up, so we're going to have a Soccer OG Summer State of the Game. The big end topics that have happened this summer that will set the table when things get very busy here with the Premier League season starting this weekend and all the other European leagues to follow. Also, make sure to check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. The last two videos about the Women's World Cup have been two of my top five performing videos ever. I am thrilled about that. I am re-energized to give you more content on several platforms. We appreciate all of those who've been there from the beginning. Welcome to all the new listeners. I hope you will be entertained. We do things a little differently. Enough of my yapping. Let's get into the show. Good to be with you again. I've missed you guys. I, uh... We've had this League's Cup going on, and it's been hard to be grounded. And by the way, the last episode I did, I did that on the road. And uh, I think it was 1 a.m. when uh, I was talking Saudi football, which is one of the topics we will be discussing in this week's show. And I hope you know I'm pretty busy, but I, I want to talk to you guys because I've been doing some pretty exciting things. Uh, this uh, MLS season pass on Apple TV has re-energized me as an announcer. I have been working harder on my craft more than I ever have. The prep that I have done for games is double, if not triple. I'm telling you that honestly. It's, it, it's. I've seen, I've seen the light, and I'm getting great feedback. And from doing certain amount of games, we're getting to do more games, and it has been very rewarding. On the road with Brian Dunseth, on the road with all the Spanish broadcast teams. We were in Houston, uh, so we're recording this on a. A Wednesday, was it Wednesday? I gotta be honest. I gotta be, I cannot tell the days anymore. Uh, this uh, calling games, and really all the way back into COVID, has just done a number on what day it is. And I'm not telling you I'm missing it by a day. Like, it's Thursday and I say it's Wednesday. I'm saying it's Monday and I'm saying it's Friday. That's kind of how warped it has all been. But that's a me problem. That's a me problem. Hopefully you guys don't deal with that because it can be tricky and treacherous along the way. But we did a game in Houston, and this was, to me, the biggest game of the League's Cup to date. It was Tigres and Monterrey, El Clásico Regio, uh, a, a game I haven't broadcast in the past. So I felt a responsibility. It's a game that makes you get better. It's a game, as I'm an MLS broadcaster, no MLS team, so you have to go the extra mile listening to the interviews of the coaches, listening to everything that's being said on Mexican uh, TV, Mexican shows, uh, football shows. Uh, it got me to flex some new or work out some new muscles. So this has been very exciting. And by the way, we're in Houston I've never been to Shell Energy Stadium. I used to go to the Robertson Stadium there on the campus of University of Houston, and the Dynamo used to sell that out all the time. They've had struggles doing that again, but you know, talking to some of the folks down there, they are, are, are re-energized about 
getting people out there. So uh, uh, I would imagine it's going to be a success. But it's a nice little stadium there, nestled there close to downtown. And it was packed with fans who are in Texas, who are in Houston, some who had come in from Monterrey, which is about 450 miles away from Houston. That's a one-hour flight. If you're ambitious, you can make the drive. Uh, but they're fans of these two clubs, which have always been left outside the big, you know, if you, if you look at Liga MX, Mexican football, the big four, the three in, I think it's a big four, but the three that are in Mexico City, uh, America, Cruz Azul, Pumas, and then the Guadalajara team, Chivas. Those are the big four. And the two teams from Monterrey are kind of new. Monterrey is in the north of the country, and they are not allowed into the the big boys party. But they really should. They've been the two most successful teams over the last 10 years. There's a ton of money. They are beautifully crafted clubs. I love what they do. It's not, you know, they pick the right players. So it was an honor to do that game. And by the way, the Spanish broadcast team, and they pick us up from our hotel and they take us to the game. The Spanish broadcast team, this was a thrill, was Pablo Ramirez, uh, El Profe Jesus Bracamontes, and Carlos Hermosillo. So we're chatting in the back. I go, this is fantastic. Look, I want to be home and I'm excited. And by the way, just to go, look, I thought I was going to do three Leagues Cup games, maybe four. I'm going to do my sixth coming up at the Rose Bowl. The venerable Rose Bowl. By the way, what's happened with the Pac-12? Gone. Just wiped off the face of the earth. Just like that. UCLA and USC heading to the, the Big Ten. Which has got 18 teams, but it's still called the Big Ten. And then Arizona and was it Arizona State and Utah going to the Big 12. And then you have California, Stanford possibly going to the AC. And you have Washington State and Oregon State. Nobody wants them. And I'm at Florida State guy at the ACC. They're looking for a $300 million buyout to get out so they can join either the Big Ten or the SEC. It is crazy. And I can't be critical of college football because you know what? The sport that I cover and follow, they've gone through this. Crazy money being sent, spent, right? Crazy money. So I can't sit there and say, wait a minute, I will not watch your product. The money has ruined it. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's one of the, the stories we will get into here in my Soccer OG Summer State of the Game. I should get a real voiceover artist to do that and get some cool little patriotic music. Just throwing out ideas. If you have any ideas, reach out to me on social media, Max Bredos Sports on X slash Twitter. Uh, certainly on Instagram at mbredos. We encourage that. Check out my YouTube videos. Leave a comment on one of the videos there. I'd appreciate that too. So we've got some ideas for the show because we're going to rebrand this a little bit. Uh, we're going to keep getting some great guests here over the next few weeks as these new European seasons roll out. But I just wanted to touch base with you guys and have a nice chit-chat. You and I. So, what we talked about, the Pac-12. Okay, getting back to Monterrey Tigres, being with those broadcasters was, was thrilling. And, you know, League's Cup has been, you know, top-line messy. We'll talk about him in a moment. But the other big story now, and, you know, Monterrey, and I was there, and VAR is being used in a very odd way, but correctly, for the most part. Correctly, but it is intrusive, uh, you know, I've done like three goals where I had to stop the goal call and stop to see if it was. That's fine. That's a minor detail. But if you saw this Club America with Nashville, I mean, I, I was we had the game on on our side. And I, I saw Club America celebrate the penalty win, so I turned it off 
And then I kept saying Club America advanced through, during the broadcast. But what happened is that they reviewed the goalkeeper for Club America and saw that his feet were off the line. Then they were barely. I mean, I'm not the thing about VAR is like those. If you're going to sit there and you are going to burn the midnight oils to see if this guy's foot was off, the game I did, it was whether this guy was in the 18 or not. And I saw the replay and it was such a fine margin. I go, well, if, if it's too close, let it be. Let it be. Less officiating. You know, that's the only thing I ask about this. But we didn't see any of that. These marginal calls, they switched them. And they were the right calls, I guess. But, you know, I don't want, to, I don't want our sport to go down here because that was crazy. So, you know, Nashville got to retake it. They advanced. Club America's out. Eight teams remain. The games are coming on Friday. All four games are on Friday. People are, people are up in arms about everything, but there, there's an explanation for this. I'm sure that these games are on Friday because they don't, if these teams lose, they want them to go home and get ready for their, their seasons. Whoever advances, you know, they're the victor, the spoils. They'll go to the CONCACAF Champions League or CONCACAF Champions Cup. And they'll get the money and they'll get the trophy. But the other teams, they got if they get knocked out, they got to get ready for their season. I mean, there's some teams like Seattle and Chivas and St. Louis. They haven't been playing for two weeks, 10 days. They're practicing and practicing. It's got to be miserable. So you want to keep playing. It's a weirdly weird proposition. So the officiating has been a big issue. Um, playing on... Artificial surface has been a big issue for some of the Liga MX teams. I will say they have Tijuana, which plays on an artificial surface. We have Revs, Whitecaps, Portland, Seattle. So we have four, I believe. Not sure if there's a fifth. And that's really probably four too many, or at least three too many. And, you know, uh, Herman uh, Berterame of Monterrey, who was one of the top goal scorers, broke his foot on the field in Portland, you know, people are saying it's the turf surface. I watched it. It's very hard to look. We can't. We, I man, the misinformation <laughs> that it, people on Twitter and going on just r- reporting misinformation, and it's getting picked up by news services. For example, a photo of Lionel Messi in an economy seat. And everyone goes, look at Lionel Messi. He is so down to earth. He doesn't want a first-class seat. He's flying commercial. And, and then, you know, the, the truth comes out. It's like, he's not flying commercial. That's a charter. Do you notice how there's nobody around him? He's got the whole row and the row behind him to himself. That's a charter. There are no first-class seats on a charter. So people are posting that. It gets tons of traffic. News companies pick it up. And then I'm watching these guys. Lionel Messi on the, look at this. I mean, his... There's misinformation. This whole Chucky Lozano thing with LAFC, misinformation. But it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. X Twitter is, I, I'm still on it. I still use it for my news. But it is out of control with the stuff that you have to deal with. So <laughs> getting back to uh, League's Cup, the there's been, I brought up the misinformation because people are going, it's another issue of the turf. We should get rid of turf. We don't know that's what broke his foot. I mean, turf is more of a a knee thing, right? I'm not saying it didn't, but it's we're all too often to go, this is it. Accounts say that, and we move on. It's a real problem, man, and specifically soccer. I don't know what's going on because I'm in an echo chamber now with social media, and I look at the soccer Twitter uh, accounts, and it's just, it's not great. 
let's get back to a league's cup. This is going to be, we're going to get into the, we haven't started the soccer OG summer state of the game. So Monterrey and Tato Noriega, their president upset about the travel. And he should be. He started in Salt Lake, was in Seattle. Then he had a game in Portland, which those cities are kind of close. Then he had to go to Houston. And then he has two days to get over to L.A. If he wins that, he's probably going to have to go to Minnesota or Nashville. That's tough. That's tough. But there's no tears from MLS because this travel is part and part. The MLS clubs have an advantage in this competition. You know, LAFC, their opponent, they haven't had to travel at all. They did earlier before this tournament, but they've had two games. The tournament is is definitely slanted in their favor and not in the Liga MX teams. But there's no tears from the MLS clubs because travel is a, a, a part of life here. It's what MLS is about. In, in Liga MX, you can, if you're Cruz Azul and you're playing America, that's a bus ride. Or you're just th- multiple teams in the capital. Short ride to Jalisco or to Aguascalientes, all these places. Uh, short flight to Monterrey. Short flight to uh, Mazatlan. It's all over. I mean, if you look at the epicenter of the the Mexican clubs, they're all very close. Uh, so the travel is... There's no tears coming in here. Uh, we're, it'll be curious to see what the League's Cup becomes moving forward. If there's games in Mexico, which I would love to see, if this tournament's expanded. By the way, people are trying to take credit of my idea of expanding the League's Cup to 64 teams and including the big names from Brazil and Argentina. People just take it. It was my idea. I said it three weeks ago. There was also this thing about León, and they were stuck in an airport, and it went everywhere, and people were outraged on social media going, oh, how could this happen? I'm like... This happens all the time in MLS. I work for LAFC. Three times this season, their flights uh, went haywire. And they had to go in the day of a game or had to leave a day later because they couldn't get out. No complaints. But look, we want a more perfect tournament. This has been a good first edition because of Messi, because of uh, these Liga MX teams playing here, knowing this is part of their schedule. And we'll see what happens as we get towards crowning a champion. But I've loved it. Uh, it's been a, it's been professionally enriching for me to be part of it. Look forward to calling more games. Hope you've been able to enjoy it. I think the audiences have been pretty good from what I understand. It's just a huge amount of games. Impossible to see everything. But uh, I, I think with some of the interactions and some of the things I've been hearing, my neighbor got Apple TV. He looks for my games and he, and he, he texts me during them. Uh, I shouldn't respond to his text, but I certainly do. So there it is, League's Cup. A lot of issues, a lot of issues, right? But we've muscled through them, and it's going to be a fun run in here. Maybe we get LAFC Philadelphia. Maybe we get LAFC Inter-Miami. Maybe we get Monterrey Inter-Miami. I mean, you have, it's LAFC Monterrey. The winner gets Nashville or Minnesota. Other side, you have Querétaro and Philadelphia. So you have two Mexican teams, Querétaro and Monterrey. And then, who am I forgetting why am I drawing a, a blank? Well, I'll pull it up here. I'm stalling. I'm stalling as much as much as I can. So we have three of the regions. Oh, Charlotte and Inter-Miami. How could I forget that one? So there's a lot of fun stuff to see there. And, uh, you know, Querétaro in its own right could be a huge underdog story. We love it. Hey, Slam Jam Bam! March Madness, survive in advance. One shiny moment. We could have a shiny moment. 
Okay, we are going to return here. We'll take a quick pause, and when we return, it's the Sakura G Summer State of the Game. Here we go, everyone. It is the Sakura G Summer State of the Game. The big topics that have happened during this summer that will affect the sport moving forward. And they will. And they will. Of course, I have to start... With the Women's World Cup, we're getting ready for the quarterfinals. Very compelling games. Not a lot of people have been watching them. I've been asking folks. We've seen the ratings for the U.S. women, and it's not really form-related. It's the fact that these games are in the middle of the night. They're getting deeper and deeper into the evening. So the U.S. not qualifying or not retaining their world title for a third straight time is the big story. And the changing of the women's game, which has been pretty seismic. Quarterfinals, enjoy them. See if you can watch them. By the way, this Spain-Netherlands game will be Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern. Decent hour, 6 Pacific. Spain was my pick. Kind of. Spain-USA. Spain was my, <laughs> was my pick. Friday, it will be 3.30 in the morning, 12.30 a.m. for Japan-Sweden. Japan really is the team to beat now. Then Saturday, mid-3 a.m. <laughs> oh, forget about the times. Australia and France. And then England and Colombia. I mean, you look at those final eight teams and you shake your head. And the thing that's really cool, it's not an overwhelming European tournament. You have five European teams, which is, it's, you know, with the U.S. and Canada out, and you would have figured it would have been heavy European. But you have Spain, Netherlands, France, Sweden, England. Spain, Netherlands, France, England, Sweden. Five teams. You have the two Asian uh, confederation teams, Japan and Australia. And then you have the Bowl team, Colombia, which is stunning. But the, the stunning part is they had to beat Jamaica to get there. It could have been Jamaica. Games have been very close. Uh, there is a new world order for sure in the women's soccer world. And those, it's, I don't know who's going to win. I would say Japan. Uh, you know, Australia has a chance. France has a chance. England has a chance. I think... The ones that don't is probably Colombia. But, you know, far be it for me to discount their chances the way they have gone through. Morocco in the Sweet 16, South Africa, Nigeria in the Sweet 16, Jamaica, the final 16, pardon me. I've got this one shiny moment in my head from talking. League's cop. By the way, at LAFC training, Giorgio Chiellini, we have a joke, and he goes, League's cop. I'm going to miss that when it's over. I'll see if I can get him on tape doing it, and I'll just record it. Maybe it'll be my ringtone. Giorgio Chiellini, he is the goods, folks. Just the most delightful person. And he knows everything about MLS, and he knows stuff about League MX. He watches the stuff. He's a true football fan uh, and just absorbs all of that. Okay, let's not get sidetracked here. I know I do that. So there's the quarterfinals. But the big story is the U.S. women out in penalties to the Swedes. Uh, should have beaten Sweden. Very fine margins. The U.S., the way they were defending, they could have gone on and maybe been very economical, could have made a run, and perhaps won the trophy. Uh, a long shot. There was so much wrong with that. We've heard everything, right? We've heard Vladko Antonovsky, who's taken most of the blame. I hate it when that happens. I mean, because every sport, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, we're not, it's not rocket science here. It's a 4-3-3, or you use these wingers, or you're a little more technical here. Or you, you use a high press. The players execute it. 
the players executed. I was getting really, I was like, Vladko Adnanovsky was the biggest problem. But these player performances were right behind him. And that is fine. So the there was that. And then there was also the story of the rest of the world closing the gap, which was happening. Why is that happening? Well, it's happening because I, I want to preface this by saying how proud I, proud I am of being American, which has pushed women's sports since as far as I can remember when I was a kid. Title IX, the collegiate system, uh, women coming from all over the world to play sports here, uh, getting scholarships, getting that free ride, uh, the development of pro leagues like NWSL, like WNBA. This is a, um, the U.S. and a few a handful of other countries have led the way, and the U.S. were miles ahead of everyone. Well, the good news is that's changing. Maybe not good news for the U.S. women's national team, but it's good news for the rest of the world. The pro leagues in Europe, Based on the conversations I've had, they're going to be better than NWSL. The top European players play there. Uh, there's very few Americans who play overseas now, and you probably want them. And we're not getting the top foreign players at NWSL. The coaching in Europe is so much better because you can lean into the men's game. You're getting, I mean, we're a bit inundated. Watch how the Americans play. It's still, it's... They could overcome opponents because they were faster, stronger, more athletic, and they would just hit the ball upfield, they'd get it and score goals. But you can't do that anymore. The world is caught up, and they're playing a technical brand of soccer, which is going to beat the U.S. moving forward. So the U.S. has to adapt. Can they adapt when all these forces are pushing against them? The coaching, the leagues, uh, the growth of the sport everywhere. I mean, Japan hitting the ground running. Uh, Colombia. Making the final eight. I believe that we're not going to see the U.S. win a World Cup for a while. And I'm more than just like, you know, the belief in the U.S. men's team, even though we're getting better, can we ever win a World Cup? I don't think we can because we're, we don't have that coaching and that culture of soccer within us that these other countries do. We don't have players that have to be successful or their lives are ruined. They, they come from the poor part of town, the slums, and they're the breadwinners of their country. So they have to be successful. We don't have that pressure. I'll get back to the women's team because they're going to start feeling that pressure. But this is a story where not only they've caught up, I think they're going to fly right by them. I don't think that our talent was all that great. Uh, Vladko Andonovsky also was criticized for not using his bench. I think he was like, I can't trust my bench. So I'm going to try and keep it with the group I have. So he brought in Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino shouldn't have been there. Alex Morgan, we didn't, I didn't know that at the time, but she shouldn't have been there. The game has passed them by, just as it's passed by so many more before. It passed by Canada. It's passed by Marta. It's passed by so many. It passed by Cristiano Ronaldo. It's passed by Luis Suarez. And coaches have to adapt, but it's hard to do that. They have to kiss the ring, and that's fine. And this is not against Megan Rapino or uh, Alex... Um, Morgan or some of the older players that and, they're, and they're, which they're not many, right? The U.S. are making that push towards the younger group, giving the responsibility to Sophia Smith and uh, Rose Lavelle, who obviously wasn't healthy and was suspended for that last game. Um, uh, Trinity Rodman, uh, Lynn Williams, they're just starting to make that push. But those girls weren't ready. And I think part of it's because those veterans were still calling the shots. We didn't allow them to express themselves. 
I love this topic. There's so much meat on this bone with the women's game that uh, I could go on and on. And uh, and it's we're still it's a week later or it's like four, three four days later. We're still talking about it as we sh- which is great for the game. And by the way, you know, Fox is going to take a huge hit here because the women aren't there. But, you know, that's it. It's, that's the World Cup. You can't assume they're going to make it through all these times. But again, there's so many stories there. I mean, I don't even, I, 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 if the young players aren't going to take the step up, the old players are, are blocking that and not performing either. Uh, you're going to have a bad tournament. So the U.S. did. I believe that winning World Cups making finals might be out of their reach for the next World Cup, the next World Cup. The talent, I mean, people say that we have the best talent. I don't know, man. And that, with what's happening overseas, and particularly in Europe, and Europe's going to get the good talent in Asia and South America and maybe in North America, which may not be a bad thing for us, they're going to go by. We're going to see what these teams do because they, those leagues and those coaching and those resources are all coming into the women's game. They've played catch-up, but they've caught up. One last thing on this story that I want to get to. And uh, it's had to do, and Alexi Lalas had a tweet, and I le- like Alexi a lot, and I'm not sure why he's stirring this up. He did make it, it, it wasn't, he mentioned, a t- uh, he said, don't shoot the messenger. And I don't think he really cares for this team. It, it, they obviously rub him the wrong way in some ways, and that's fine. I don't mind hearing from him because he watches the games. So he was saying that by a large part of this country dislikes this women's team. It's absolutely true. I did my videos on this. All the comments were like, good riddance. Ah, Rapino sucks. All of them. Not all of them, a good portion of them. I'm not saying that's my audience. That's YouTube. There was some positive ones. I shouldn't say all of them. Let me withdraw that. A good portion of them were were eye-opening. And... I'm okay with having an opinion. One thing we, what I've noticed about the women's game is we, we, we're not allowed to criticize them, and we should. The U.S. women, if they get, if, if they get bounced out of the round of 16, the sword should be out. I saw the, was it the South African goalkeeper? Their team was in. She had this howler of a, a play. They didn't even show the, which took South Africa out of the tournament. They didn't show the replay. Uh, they didn't even say, oh, they were like, tough break. That's not a tough break. That's a huge mistake. I go, sorry. And by the way, I say this because these women athletes can take it. They've been through a whole lot to get their sport up. They are not thin-skinned. So I think they can take it. However, you can only criticize them if you watch the game. And these yahoos on Fox News and so forth, they're ripping the team for not making it. And they don't even watch the games or supported it. You know, we can see that that's coming from somewhere else. There is a deep embedded and you just don't like them because they don't fit your narrative uh, or the way they do it. Now, can you disagree with some of the things they did with not singing the anthem or whatever? Okay. But if you want to criticize this team and where they did or what they didn't do, you can't unless you watch the sport. And, and a bigger thing, I've got to be perfectly honest. Why do you care? If you don't care about the women's national team or if you don't care about soccer... Why don't you want to make an opinion about this? Who cares? Get on with your life watching whatever you do, whatever you would enjoy. Just don't waste a minute of your day talking about something that you don't care about. Why do you care? So there we go. I'm going to move on. 
Like I said, that was my favorite topic. Unfortunately, it's stuff that happened off the field, but it's absolutely fascinating what's happening in the women's game and how different it's going to look in two years, four years, eight years. Lionel Messi, uh, what he has been able to do in Major League Soccer is going to change things within this league. Now we're hearing these reports, and again, I don't buy them too much. I know there has been probably a conversation, and the commissioner, Don Garber, has been quoted as talking about Kylian Mbappe and to a lesser degree Neymar as guys that they would love to bring into the league. And now we know they're capable of doing it because of MLS, because of Apple, because of Adidas, because of all those parties, because of the ownerships, because all the MLS clubs benefit from Lionel Messi there, right? They do. They get it. So they're not going to sit here and go, why is Inter getting this and we're not? They're going to be like, okay, this is great for us. We want Messi here. I, I don't think Mbappe would come here uh, based on what he is worth and what he could do with the Champions League and at his age, what he can accomplish. Neymar, maybe. A world soccer talk, <laughs> who I enjoy. I follow them. I, I don't know who's their administrator um, on their uh, social media on, on X. I gotta start saying X, right? Uh, but there was a was just this editorialized um, post, because usually it's they're breaking news, and it goes, MLS signing Neymar for LAFC or any other MLS club is a mistake. He's overrated, injury-prone, and won't move the needle like Messi has for Inter. Everyone knows Messi for his creative genius. Neymar's propensity for faking injuries and fouls won't translate well to the U.S. we got to stop with those tweets, <laughs> or whatever we call them on X. No. Give me the facts. Give me your sources. Don't just read that out and tell me that, okay? So I was a little perturbed by that. Uh, Neymar would be great in MLS, okay? He would be great. Man, he won't move the needle like Neymar, but he would move the needle. And people would want to go see him. And it gives you something on their MLS season pass Apple TV that you can click on easily to see Neymar playing at the Red Bulls or Chicago. I would love to see him in Chicago. I would love to see him in Chicago. I want to see Chicago soccer go through the roof here. So with that, uh, this Messi situation, Mbappe and Neymar are obviously paid attention to seeing Messi go to MLS, play for a club, look happy, enjoying his soccer, making a ton of money, being in this marketplace where the sky is the limit. Everyone wants to move in the U.S., okay? Don't listen to these Europeans. They want to move here too. <laughs> That's right, I said it. I don't want to live it up there. And, I mean, dude, I went to France a couple of years ago. That was I enjoyed it, but it was rough. I know we have a rough thing situation here in many cities, but hey. So uh, the... Um, the situation with Messi has to have inspired others. And the impact has been so huge. When they played FC Dallas, there was these recaps of the games. And then they usually get 20,000 views on YouTube. Within two hours, it had 2.5 million views. The recap, the five-minute recap of the Inter-Miami game. And that's all over the world. This is happening, man. I've seen it with my own eyes. The impact he has had on this league and everything about it is huge. They got very lucky that they've had him for as many uh, League's Cup games. I'm sure they're hoping, when I say they, MLS, you know, me too, uh, to advance. I, I don't want him to win it because I don't want him to go, I don't want to have those conversations. Oh, he comes in and just dominates. Make a semifinal. We're good with a semifinal. So, it, it just the impact, I mean, it will never go as well as Messi. Messi is 
has played his hand perfectly, and he has showed he's showed up with enthusiasm, and he has been the perfect teammate. Uh, and not everyone's going to be that way. But I've 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 grown to respect Messi so much more. I've been critical of him in the past. I feel he gets too much of the credit. He never gets the blame. That still rings true in everything he does. However, I've always admired his talent. I was happy for him to see him succeed. When you see teams like Argentina jump on a sword to make sure that he wins a World Cup, that tells you a lot about the guy. And then you can see what the guy's like here playing at MLS. So Messi coming here can change American soccer, not just Major League Soccer. Because uh, you get two or three of these big stars. You get one or two of the big American stars coming back, like Christian Pulisic or Weston McKinney. You got something brewing here. To go with the very good young talent, to go with the young Latin American, South American, Central American talent that you're finding. Young European talent that's starting to come here. It's a very exciting time. And Messi is... Ch- the, it's such a monumental shift this month with Messi. I never thought it would be like this. I never thought it would be this big. I mean, even if it just flatlines for a bit. He... You know, so the numbers on YouTube and Facebook, all the people, that's engagement, man. And MLS never had it. Well, they have it now. And I'm seeing it trickle down to everything else. Other games are getting more views. Other games are getting more interest. Just because by osmosis, they're kind of close to Lionel Messi. Let's go to the next topic here. My soccer OG, summer state of the game, the Saudi League. The Saudi League uh, going head to head. They wanted to get Lionel Messi, right? And... uh, they have, a, we had it, I'm sure if you listened to the last show, if you didn't, tune in there. We had a tremendous discussion um, about um, the Saudi League and what it brings to the table. Uh, Liam Weeks, I forgot his name. Liam Weeks. Was it Liam Weeks? I, I got to pull that up. That's very disrespectful on my part. We, he lives there in the Middle East, I believe in uh, the UAE. Liam Weeks, Weeksy. And we talked about uh, all the things the Saudis are doing. Uh, there was some news today that Fox has picked up the rights for the Saudi Pro League here in the United States. I think they're going to do a big rollout with that. Uh, all like talking about who's going to be involved with it. Will I watch the Saudi League? It's going to be hard with everything else. But how could you ignore it with what they're doing? Especially this story about Mbappe where it was about a billion dollars with a transfer fee and his roster for his salary for one year to play in the Saudi Arabian Pro League. So what what has it done in this um, this summer that has been so earth shattering? Well, they've signed everyone: young players, old players, players and mass, uh, and all the clubs. Uh, Kareem Benzema to Al Ittihad, who are the team that won it last year, and they will be going to the Club World Cup. So they are already a very successful team. And Golo Kante is going there. Ruben Neves, Al Hilal, Khalidou Koulibaly, uh, all these Chelsea players. Uh, moved on there. I think was it Riyad Mahrez went, Edward Mendy, uh, Jordan Henderson, Steven Gerrard in the coaching uh, capacity. Uh, it was. I know I'm leaving a bunch of people. Neymar could potentially land there. Uh, there is. They're all going to join Cristiano Ronaldo and several others. I mean, they have some really good teams. As is, as is Al Hilal made the final of the Club World Cup, and they have ballers. Like young South American players in particular that have been really, really good. Uh, so the top clubs, you know, Al Itihad, Al Nasser with Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo, uh, Al Akli, um, Al uh, Al Hilal, 
uh, all coming in there. Four good teams that I would like to see. So yes, I will watch a little bit of it. And I'm curious to see who's going to move it. Marcelo Brozovic to Al Nasser. I mean, this list is endless. And they're not just guys over the hill. Roberto Firmino to Al Ali. Roberto Firmino. Sergej Milinkovic Savic. All these, uh, and some of them were savvy moves. Seko Fofana, Al Nasser. Alex Tejas for Manchester United, uh, and on and on. So, big signings, middle signings, support player signings. Saudi League will be very interesting, worth taking a peek. The question is, when do they get bored with this soccer thing and move on? And spend their money on something else. And we spoke to Liam, and there's talks about you know the big sports, in particular uh, tennis, uh, they're going to go for these players. The individual sports. They already have uh, the live golf tournament. So the Saudi League, v- this is their biggest year. And that's why I think, I think they're going to be on the clock. I think they're going to give this a year or two. And if they, they want to see the sport build, they want to get the World Cup in 2030. I would imagine this Pro League deal with Fox is a move by Fox. I don't know this. I'm just throwing it out there. And after telling people to not give out information, I'm just saying this. This is what I think. I'm not saying it stamp it uh this is part of the play for the 2030 world cup for saudi arabia uh i would imagine they have a really good shot of getting it i i hope it goes further down nothing against the saudi bid which is like a mediterranean bid the last time i saw it which would be interesting uh the more i've i mean i i know saudi we have our differences with saudi arabia but the more research i've done about this i've been able to soften my edges about the country i'm curious about it i'd like to visit the country and uh, learn a little bit more, and certainly through football, which looks really interesting. Uh, it's not just uh, it's not just uh, the two or three cities that you're dealing with, right? In Jeddah and Mecca, it's um, it's going to be pretty pretty interesting with these teams and who wins it. I think they have four or five teams that are going to really push for it. I was looking at Al Nasser. It's like seven or eight. I mean, they basically signed a new team to go with a very good team that they have already. So uh, the Saudi League softening my edges on it and they're going to get a World Cup. I, I, I wouldn't mind if it was a little later just to separate it from the Qatari World Cup, which we just had here in uh, 2022. So 2034 and 2038 would make more sense. I want to see the world. Uh, I enjoyed the Qatari World Cup. There's just things I just... I'm not going to be doing backflips to see again, but I'm preparing for it. Hey, it is what it is. And it is our World Cup for the world. And if they do it with Greece and Egypt, that would be something I would like to see as well. So the Saudis are able to pull that off. But it starts with the Pro League. But I give it a couple years and see if there's something that they are able to uh, make last, right? Keep it going for a bit. We've covered a lot of ground here on the Soccer OG Summer State of the Game. A lot of big signings. I'm glad West Ham made some signings. Uh, they, you know, they were, they were losing players, Declan Rice, it appears Lucas Paqueta, uh, on his way out, but they got Edson Alvarez. Now it looks James Ward-Prowse. So we got our midfield intact. I just don't want to finish or be in competing for those final three spots. I want to be mid table. So we've talked a lot about that over the next two weeks, we're going to get some folks to come in and talk about the new European seasons. So we can get ready for that here on the soccer OG. I didn't want to talk particularly about the U.S. men's players and the changing places that they have had heading into the new season, which is very promising, starting with Christian Pulisic, AC Milan, who I, 
I think we're the most active team in uh, in Europe when you look at the width and breadth and volume of players that they were able to bring in, which could be good or bad for Christian Pulisic. Yunus uh, Musa also going to AC Milan. Out of Chelsea, a lot of pressure on Christian Pulisic. We believe he's going to be a featured player. I love the fact that Milan didn't want to let it go. They kept pushing and kept pushing Chelsea till they got the price right and they finally brought him. Yunus Musa 100% is going to play. AC Milan is in Champions League football. So this is very exciting uh, for these guys, right? Uh, the Serie A is, we have over at Juventus, Weston McKinney is back and Tim Weah. So it's going to be very exciting. And those, the Serie A, and it, 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 it's interesting when you look at the broadcasters here to get that edge. Having American players makes a big difference, right? NBC, when we had the three players on Leeds, they were putting those games on NBC over the air, not on Peacock, which means they're getting good numbers. People want to see these American players. They're selling a lot of shirts. I think I heard that Christian Pulisic was the number one jersey uh, sold. Uh, and those are Americans buying that, right? Those are Americans buying Christian Pulisic shirts. You know, and, and it's it's not that there's more American soccer fans than, than Italians, but it's just more Americans, right? We're a huge country. So if 1% like soccer, that's probably more than we have Italians that are liking soccer. Simple. So the city out now on Paramount, I'm excited to see what they are going to do with it. Uh, it just like all the distributors. We know NBC does a great job. Uh, CBS, ESPN promoting La Liga coverage and the Bundesliga pretty heavy. We have... MLS, obviously, with Apple TV, there is a lot of folks being involved. There's more properties coming up. I'm curious about what happens with the Copa America, the Saudi Pro League. We found out already. But Paramount, just right place, right time. But they deserve they deserve a, a, a good shot here, right? They've been building and building their platform, their vertical, and now they have these Americans. <clears throat> Tyler Adams closing in on a move to Chelsea. Uh, the question is, is he better playing all the time in the English Championship with Leeds or being a, 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 a bit player with Chelsea. I would say Chelsea's a better spot for him. I know we want him to play a lot, but I mean, when Chelsea wants you, you jump. You jump. And it looks like it's a good chunk of money with a buyout clause and everything. So Tyler Adams is going to end up somewhere big. It looks like it's Chelsea. By the time you hear this podcast, maybe it is Chelsea, because it seems like that is very, very close to happening. More good news. Uh, he'll be involved, not Champions League, but he'll be involved with uh, that revival of that team. <clears throat> Matt Turner. This one happened recently, and he. I just want to applaud Matt Turner for how well he handled this situation. Went for the New England Revolution. Remember, he was a late bloomer. Uh, excuse me, I have to drink some water. All this talking soccer dries your throat. He went to uh, Arsenal to be a backup. And everyone's like, what's going to happen? He was, a, he was a good guy. He made great relationships. There's great footage of how much Aaron Ramsdale adores the guy. So we were able to see that. And then he made the move. Nottingham Forest. Uh, big money transfer <clears throat> to be the number one. Now there's Dean Henderson out there. And a lot of people saying he's going to be the number one. I, I'm not having that. I am not having that. Matt Turner will be the number one uh, at Nottingham Forest. What was it like 10 million, 12 million? That's what it that's what you you do, right? So 
he will Nottingham Forest is a club that spent a lot of money the last couple the last year when they got into the Premier League. I feel like there are a couple positions of being a team with tenure in the Premier League, and he just was brilliant. Like this is the way you do it: go to Arsenal, get the training, make the relationships, and then make the move as a permanent deal. So he's cut his ties there, and we look forward to seeing him. Nottingham Forest, I think they play Man City. Was that Premier League season? That's a. <laughs> I'm putting in my. Here we go. Uh, Arsenal, Nottingham Forest, pardon me. So he plays against his former team. I knew it was a big club. It's got a little sidetracked. Uh, Brendan Aronson, Union Berlin. Perfect. Champions League team. Uh, it's. There's a. That's a fantastic move uh, for a club that was so plucky and has staying power, has a great support. Uh, and. Brendan Aronson has uh, done it the right way. What an adventure. We've got these guys out of Leeds, right? We've got these guys out of Leeds, which was a good thing. I'm not saying they, they go without blame. Um, but you, uh, you, certainly, you, you certainly don't want to be there when they're going down a division. And we got Tyler Adams still there. I think we will get out. Brendan Aronson's out. Weston McKinney is back uh, with Juventus. Uh, I think Taylor Booth was on the move. Gaga Slonina is going to start playing more as well. Brian Reynolds made a, a, a brief move there. Um, it's it's a good core group uh, of our ever-changing group of players. I mean, Christian Pulisic is the guy. Tim Weah is, is... Oh, Ricardo Pepe to pay his vey. And we know the move, we know the commitment there. Uh, Ernie Stewart, who is uh, in charge there of, uh, all, all, of the sporting director... So he was able to score goals. He was owned by Augsburg, went to Dutch football at Groningen, scored goals, and now he's going to be possibly the guy at PSV. I mean, that is unbelievable. It, it, he's, that's going to be tough to crack. You have Luke de Jong. Uh, so we'll see if Pepe uh, keeps projecting in that way because he, I mean, he has a shot with Falar and Balogun, and Falar and Balogun is also possibly on the move. He's still with Arsenal, who aren't really lowering their price tag. So... Uh, he might st- he might have to go on another loan or what have you, but that could ha- I don't think that's going to happen this season. But that's been out there too. Brian Reynolds uh, stays with Vesterloo in Belgium. I like that. Austin Trusty. This was a guy who was jettisoned, traded for allocation money by the Union to the Colorado Rapids. He was at 24 because he played for the Rapids. He made the connection because of Stan Kroenke to Arsenal. Uh, he played with them. He went on loan to Birmingham City. Uh, and now he gets a $5 million transfer, which is no small chunk of change. Arsenal could use that as much. I know they're spending a lot of money, but that's nice for a player that they developed. And now he goes into the Premier League with Sheffield United. This was a tremendous situation. Haji Wright goes to Coventry City, so he's in the English game from, from Turkish football, where he scored a lot of goals. But the championship, uh, it's it's... It's a launching pad, right? It certainly is a launching pad. And this is a great group. There's many more on the lower division uh, scope that made the move. But that was a big story. We have covered it all here on the Soccer OG Summer State of the Game. I hope you enjoyed this. I know it was a lot of me. But maybe something you're just driving along. just want to catch up with everything. Maybe you missed something this summer. Maybe I can catch you up to speed. Hope you enjoyed it. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. 
Check out the Women's World Cup quarterfinals as much as you can. Check out the League's Cup. We've got a lot going on. I know you have a lot of soccer to prepare for in the upcoming weeks. Like, download, subscribe. I'm saying this out of order. Tell a friend. I can't remember it all when I say it that way. And just let everyone know about a little podcast. We appreciate all the support from those at the beginning, the new listeners. Thanks for checking us out. Until I see you again, Placido Domingo. Domingo.